0: Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics Podcast with Mike Lewis and Doug Battle. Doug, today we're continuing our NFL preview with the NFC North. What do you think of this division? NFC North. Mike, I'm just so football starved
1: at this point. I could say, you know, I'm dying to watch some NFC North football. Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, the NFC Norths with the Vikings, Justin Fields and the Bears, the Lions. I don't even know what's going on with them at this point (laughs) with Jared Goff and company. They've seemed to. That's a team that when Stafford was there, I feel like they were always they would show their highlights. I don't know if I saw any Jared Goff highlights last year. Yeah,
0: I always feel like they're a wasteland, too. I mean, you know, Bears and Packers. I thought Stafford
1: made them somewhat relevant. Like, they were kind of on the fringe of being a playoff team, especially when they had Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford. They are pretty good. But at this point, I don't know. I don't hear much buzz about the Lions these days. Doug, I mean,
0: I... I looked it up in the preparation for this episode. I don't have it. I've got so many windows and screens open here. Look up the Detroit Lions playoff history. It is shocking how few playoff appearances they've had in truly decades and how few playoff victories. Um, I mean, that is a, that franchise feels cursed to me and, you know, inc- incredibly forgotten about, especially in that, and again, me you know perceptions vary it's like uh, you know I think of the Packers and the Bears as premier brands in the NFL and the Vikings kind of up there too and then there's the Lions and you know Detroit sports is well Detroit sports is probably a rough thing to be a fan of last decade or so
1: yeah they also they have a knack for losing heartbreakers I don't know how else to put it but they lose a lot of close games in Detroit and they have done that for my entire life, it seems.
0: Okay, so in terms of overall predictions, Doug, and then we can sort of talk about the storylines for each of these teams, and we can, uh, you know, get into some of the details on the on the players, especially the quarterbacks leading each franchise. Uh, number one in the division, I don't think there's going to be any surprise to you. I got the Green Bay Packers, and I'm projecting them out at 11.2 wins. Do you agree with that? I do. It's
1: crazy though, Mike. This time last year, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers' last dance with the Packers. Where's Aaron Rodgers going to go next offseason? Very quietly, the Packers maintained to repair that relationship just enough to keep Aaron Rodgers around. It still feels like he's kind of this disgruntled employee, like he's just there for him, but he's got no <sighs> love for the Packers, kind of like Jordan with the Bulls and that last dance season. That didn't seem repaired. Nevertheless, did it? They, they did. I mean, That seemed like that was... I don't know. that. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were done. It seemed like that was destined to fail. And somehow they maintained to keep him happy enough. Maybe it's just money. Maybe it's... I have no idea. Lost his top receiver, Devontae Adams. But Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is still around as long as Aaron Rodgers is around, as long as he's playing at an MVP level, which obviously he has in the last two years. Green Bay is
0: going to be in the conversation. Okay, number two in that division, I've got the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins. I've got them projected at eight point one wins. You know, just kind of for the heck of it, I was I was scrolling around the internet this morning as we were getting ready to do this. I was reading some of the some of the previews from. It looked like sort of local NFC North kind of websites. And they had a great description of the Vikings. As long as the Vikings have Kirk Cousins, they'll be on the verge of winning 10 wins and going to the wild card. And that's kind of where I slot them in as well. You like that, Mike. You like that. <laughs> that's
1: my favorite Kirk Cousins meme. For those that aren't familiar, Kirk Cousins, I think when he played for the Washington r He had a a big game, and I think he'd been under some criticism. And when he came into the locker room, or he was on his way to the locker room, and there were cameras there, and he was just screaming at them, you like that, you like that. And that forever will be associated with Kirk Cousins in my mind. He is the you like that guy. And I like that. I like that take. I think that 10 wins with Kirk Cousins, he's valuable in the sense that he could get you there. There's not the sense that he can be a top five NFL quarterback or anything close to that, but I'll, I'll say it. I think Kirk Cousins could be a Nick Foles. I think he. I think he could be one of those non-top guys that wins a Super Bowl under the right circumstances.
0: Okay, well, let's come back to that. Let's sort of work through the rest of the division, and then sort of come back and talk about these folks in more depth. Uh, number three, and again, I. I, I feel like I'm a broken record on this guy in this club, Chicago Bears and Justin Fields. I've got them projected at 7.2 wins, which, you know, probably seems like uh, it's actually an improvement from last year for the team. Might seem like it seems overly optimistic to to myself, but, you know, I got them. I think part of what makes Rodgers such a dominating force in this division is the rest of it's just not that good.
1: Yeah, it's not. Fields coming in the league, I think I was on record saying I thought that he was a more gifted passer, but similar prospect to Cam Newton, who was a league MVP at one point. And I don't know that that has changed. Justin Fields as a prospect is just phenomenal. Last year was a complete disaster. And his, his, uh, to be frank, as a Georgia guy, year one at UGA looked very similar as far as when he was out on the field, he looked like a deer in headlights. People retroactively love to criticize that, the, the Georgia's choice to, to bench him in place of Jake Fromm, but that's how he looked in year one. And so part of me feels like Justin Fields, he's just got to get the hang of things. He shouldn't have been out on the field last year. He, he's one of those guys It might take him a little bit longer to get there. But he's still, his ceiling is through the roof. Hmm. So we'll see what happens with Justin Fields in year two. I think that's going to be. I
0: think we're going to argue about that one. I think we're going to argue about Justin Fields for as long as we're doing the podcast, Doug.
1: Well, that's what we're here for. (laughs) I could be Stephen A. You could be, or or vice versa. You can be Colin (laughs) or Max.
0: I I don't know. I can't quite imagine you shouting like Stephen A. But we'll get there. Okay, uh, number four, we've got uh, Jared Goff and the Lions projected at 6.2 wins. So, uh, th- very probably, and again, as I was sort of just scanning around the internet, this looks like the standard pro- projection for this division of you know, the Packers easy, an obvious choice at the top, followed by sort of the steady Vikings, kind of a borderline playoff team and then the struggling Bears and the struggling Lions. So, I mean, this this division seems very easy to project.
1: It does. The Lions are the one team. I still feel like Bears fans have hope. I feel like they're thinking Justin Fields. They're thinking along the lines of what I was just saying. Justin Fields is still the guy, even though last year statistically was historically bad. And... They just have to get the right system and the right amount of experience and the right players around them. I don't know that Lions fans feel that way about Jared Goff. I don't know that anyone feels that way about Jared Goff. He feels like a guy. He's like the best placeholder quarterback ever. As far as his resume is pretty dang good, but is does anyone have hope that he's gonna turn that franchise around? I don't.
0: Okay. Well, let's come back up to the top and sort of get into some of this in in, in depth and talk about the narratives as well. And we've hinted uh, about the majority, some of the key storylines going into this. You know that he's actually one of my favorite professional athletes, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. You know, and going back to what you're saying last year, he is in a complete war with the Packers' ownership. He's. You know, talking about he's going to become a game show host instead of being a quarterback. Uh, and look, even on the side, he, um, you know, you ever like do a search about some of the stuff that he has discussed in interviews with Shayleen? Is it Shayleen Woodley? I mean, you know, there's some crazy stuff and then some vaccine issues. You know, Aaron Rodgers is that independent thinker that I, I love as a player. And so going into this year, and again, I think the storylines with Rogers are kind of obvious at this point. You know, he's playing for legacy. He's playing to, you know, build up his resume. You know, it's almost like he's he's chasing Tom Brady, but Brady's so far ahead that we kind of forget about what a you know an amazing long term career that Rogers has had. You know, he clearly needs Super Bowls. But yeah. going into this one, I'll tell you, Doug, one of my favorite things to think about. You mentioned that he's lost his primary receiver, Devontae Adams. I don't know, and again, you, you know that I'm kind of a believer that quarterbacks are the people that make receivers, not the reverse. So I suspect he will find someone in, the, in that wide receiver room and actually somehow this unknown, relatively unknown player is going to become a superstar with giant numbers because Aaron Rodgers is going to make him that superstar. But I can imagine some early on fun as he's trying to figure it out because I don't think Rodgers is the most patient or supportive teammate. So you can you imagine like some of the, his facial expressions when a receiver is dropping a ball in the preseason or week one and week two? It's going to be glorious to watch.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with your first point, Mike, that somebody's going to emerge. You look at Aaron Rodgers over his career. Early on, it was Greg Jennings and Donald Driver. That felt like... Pair that were going to forever be cemented with Aaron Rodgers' legacy and quickly became Jordy Nelson, one of the top. I mean, I remember he had a fantasy year where mm-hmm. he was probably the top wide receiver in the league. Randall Cobb comes out of Kentucky, a former quarterback, hadn't played wide receiver at least in some time. And he was one of the top receivers in the NFL for some time. He and Jordy Nelson, obviously on that Super Bowl team. And more recently, Devonte Adams has been the guy and so every team with Aaron Rodgers has seemed to have a top NFL receiver perhaps because of of the production of the quarterback and that offense it'll be interesting to see who emerges but if you're a wide receiver for Green Bay if you're a really good NFL receiver maybe not a top 10 guy but somewhere in the 20 range you've got the opportunity, I think, to put up top 10 stats with Aaron Rodgers at QB.
0: You've got the opportunity to be a pro bowler all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal opportunity there. So I'm with you. I, I, will there be a drop-off? Maybe it'll be more of a committee approach, but I expect someone to emerge. I wouldn't be shocked to see a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy on that Green Bay Packers team.
0: No, and that's a, that's a great... You know, in some ways, if you think about how to play fantasy football... This is where the opportunities are, right? I think, and again, I don't know how the places like ESPN and the other fantasy, you know, the the fantasy databases, how they score out these players. I would guess most of the time they're using historical numbers, but there's so clearly an opportunity for a guy to go from maybe being middle of the road at at Green Bay to suddenly, as you're saying, a pro Bowl kind of player on the field in a fantasy absolute superstar.
1: Yeah, and I'll make a a quick point just for my fandom. The New York Giants, a team that I've watched and loved for my whole life, when Plexico Burris shot himself in the leg and was removed from that team, and at the time, it was looking like the Giants had a good chance of repeating in the Super Bowl. I remember the first week after that, and at the time, Eli Manning and Plexico Burris had great chemistry. People forget that, but statistically, they were right up there with Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison as far as dynamic duos in the NFL. Burris is out. Giants pull up Dominique Hickson, a guy who was a fringe NFL player. He had been on the practice squad, on the team, never started. And he looked like a superstar in the first week. He was. We, all of Giants fandom thought that he was going to take over and put up the production that Plexico Burris had because he was just put in that same position to succeed that Burris had been in. And I think that of course, Hickson didn't have that kind of career, although injuries derailed him, and who knows what could have happened. But I think that in Green Bay, th- there should be all kinds of optimism that somebody steps in, has the kind of career that Devontae Adams has had so far in that same role. I will be keeping an eye on their wide receivers come time for the fantasy draft.
0: No, I mean, th- those guys, maybe the best way to make big money would be to actually bring Rogers breakfast every morning showing up at his house, right? Just going out of their way to build that chemistry. However they can, because, you know, that's going to be Rogers, like going over that list and that list you went over, you remind you how long Rogers has played Donald driver, right? It's like, this is a guy that makes, that makes star wide receivers, you know, year after year after year.
1: Yeah. And I think that with, uh, with Tom Brady, people forget that there was a time when Dion branch seemed irreplaceable. For Brady and it seemed like he was always going to be the guy if they ever lose him Brady's in trouble. There was a time when Wes Welker felt like the guy the perfect pairing for Tom Brady and then out of nowhere comes Edelman Julian Edelman was that guy and this is what made me think of that Mike when you were talking about bringing him breakfast. I know that Edelman famously used to try to go throw with Brady in the offseason just be the guy that would catch passes for him. Time and time again until they developed a chemistry and he became the guy. But he really took over. I mean, he kind of made people forget about Wes Welker. And of course, there's a number of wide receivers that could go on the list with Tom Brady. But these top quarterbacks, whether they just so happen to be surrounded by great talent or what I tend to think is more likely is that every NFL team has great talent at the skill positions for the most part. And the great talent reveals itself when paired with a great quarterback. That's what we've seen with Tom Brady. That's what we've seen with Aaron Rodgers. I expect that to continue. I'm going to be, when we do a fantasy episode uh, in a couple weeks down the road, I'll have a prediction as far as which wide receiver I think emerges for Rodgers. I've got to do my research on that one.
0: I mean, and look, there's probably a great sports analytics project in all of this of looking at what happens when different types of players change teams in terms of their production. Because I remember a few years ago it was like the the best receivers in the league were Odell Beckham, and Antonio Brown, right? They, these guys each move on moved on and completely fell off a cliff, and, and so I, I sort of suspect that, again, you know, maybe it is that the 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 quarterbacks are truly making the star receivers, maybe not in the case of a guy like Randy Moss, right? But for the most part, they're the guys that are making, elevating, maybe the receiver talent is relatively equal, and they're being elevated by playing with a Brady or a Rodgers or a Roethlisberger or a Manning. That And, you know, Manning, again, you know, when we talk to Donald Driver, I always, you know, you've mentioned it on the podcast before, like the Marvin Harrison effect, right? Where it is that suddenly there's there's this dynamic duo But, you know, the quarterback's always Batman, I think.
1: Quarterback's always Batman. And we saw, I mean, Peyton Manning played beyond Harrison and won a Super Bowl without Harrison. Tom Brady's done that without Randy Moss, without Edelman, without Wes Welker. He, Of course, he still has Gronk or had Gronk at that Super Bowl, but he had won Super Bowls prior to Gronk. Quarterback is always Batman.
0: You know, and again, there's... At some point, maybe we'll do a power ranking of endorsers with... You know, Aaron Rodgers at, at uh State Farm is one of the all-time greats in the NFL. But man, I just, you know, Gronkowski gets so many deals. It, you know, this is an aside, but Gronkowski is the worst pitch man in the NFL. Okay, Doug, before we let's not go down that rabbit hole. Uh number two. Well, and you know, the the other aside in all this in the fan base rankings I do every year, the Packers finished le- first last year. And so, you know, I think the only thing that is, is kind of relevant to the, the narrative of, so the Rogers narrative is great. He's controversial. He's an independent thinker. He's a great, great player. I mean, looking at these QB win metrics, he's the best active player in the league, unless Drew Brees shockingly comes back. Uh, The Packers are the number one fan base. They've got the number one quarterback. In some ways, this is the perfect story. If there's a criticism of Rodgers, and you know there is there is this criticism of he doesn't actually win the Super Bowls that Brady wins, right? They'll probably be the top seed in the NFC North. Can he actually get it done? I mean, if you're improving the Packers brand, there's literally only one way to do it. Do you think the Packers are a Super Bowl contender, Doug? I
1: think they are, Mike. And part of it is just, you know how stories just write themselves in the NFL time and time again. It's hard to imagine. Aaron Rodgers going out without another Super Bowl, going out as a one Super Bowl quarterback. (laughs) And it feels like there needs to be, right? It seems like a destiny thing where every year I'm thinking, this has gotta be it. This has gotta be Aaron Rodgers' chance to to put himself back up closer to Brady in that conversation. I think that as long as you have a quarterback like that, you're in the mix. Green Bay has been in the mix the last several years and I wouldn't be shocked to see things play out that way. It's kind of like Coach K making the Final Four in his last year. How did we not see that coming? <laughs> Especially with the talent he had around it. In retrospect, things, those stories make so much sense. And I, if for no other reason, I think that Green Bay is the perfect story with Rogers sticking around for as long as he has. He's got to make a Super Bowl. He's got to make another Super Bowl, and he's got to win one. I think. And so I'm looking forward to that because the, the competition is stark you know you might feel like your destiny's team if you're a green bay fan with the whole aaron Rodgers story but you look take a look around the league there's a lot of good football teams mm-hmm. that very well could knock your team out in the wild card round if you're not careful
0: yeah but oh well you know but definitely in there um and again likely playing for a first round buy so
1: yeah also i will add that i think believe three of the last six Super Bowls were won by quarterbacks, aging quarterbacks, who had moved on to a new team. And I, I think that's why teams like the Broncos are bringing in a Russell Wilson and investing in that. They feel like we had Tom Brady with the Buccaneers all the way, I think it was six years ago, Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos, which seems longer than that. Um, but there, there's been a number of quarterbacks <laughs> like that. Rodgers, I felt, was positioned for that. I thought he was going to go to Denver. He was going to go to one of those teams. He stayed at Green Bay. So it'd be interesting to see if he can have that same late career no. Super Bowl run that Manning and Brady had. And most recently Matt Stafford going from yeah. the Lions to the no. Rams pretty late in his career.
0: That's a real strong observation, right? Because I, I think in general, we we tend to think, you know, once you've once you've moved on, the magic tends to get lost. I mean, that that goes along with some of the stuff we've talked about over the time of, you know, this kind of issue of Athlete empowerment, you know, mm-hmm. obviously a huge thing in the NBA, becoming bigger in the NFL, and really quarterback driven. This could be a, a fascinating. I mean, can you imagine a scenario where you know got Russell Wilson doing something in Denver, you've got uh, Matt Ryan doing something in Indianapolis, yeah, Tom Brady continuing to do it in uh, Tampa Bay? That could be a great, great storyline of it's you know, you know, let's not worry about drafting a quarterback. Let's find a thirty-five-year-old that's got a little, te- a little left in the tank, and that'll be the thing that gets us over the hump. There's, well, like there's, I said, there's even I think there's even a logic to that in terms of like salary cap management. So it's yeah, good. Like I
1: said, three of the last six Super Bowls won by teams in those situations. Not a quarterback that they developed, but a quarterback they brought on very late in their career when a lot of people were betting against them. A lot of people were saying, "Hey, he's past his prime." I think. Rodgers, had he gone to Denver, had he gone to, I don't know, the New York Giants or wherever, people would be saying that same thing. But he stayed in Green Bay. I still view him in that same category as a, as a Matt Stafford last year, as Tom Brady with the Buccaneers, where he's he should be past his prime, but he still could win a Super Bowl. And maybe there's something to that age, that level of desire that they have, the level of football expertise that they have. They might not be the same athlete that they once were. But they are also like having an offensive coordinator on the football field. We'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. We'll see what happens with Matt Ryan. We'll see what happens with Russell Wilson.
0: Okay, so in the data, Rodgers is statistically the best guy out there. I mean, so he is getting older, but he's a he's a special talent. I always got Rodgers at about a three and a half win guy in terms of contribution, which is you know, says something about the Packers as a team that maybe they're a little bit a game above five hundred, and then you put Aaron Rodgers on that team, and suddenly you're the top seed in the NFC. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a little bit of a different, a different beast. Kirk Cousins is, and and again, I'm you know I don't want to project too many of my biases here. I think for the NFL fans out there, Kirk Cousins is like the definition of a solid quarterback statistically, he comes in as about a plus one or one and a half win contribution guy. So it's about, I think I think the fans' perceptions of him is actually pretty accurate, that he's a good, solid player. He's not an elite talent. I think Kirk Cousins will always, in a way, be haunted by that contract he signed, where suddenly he went, you know, the, the NFL quarterback market changed dramatically in terms of the, the scale of the, the dollars, and it changed in terms of the guaranteed money. And so I think it was Kirk Cousins was the highest paid player in the NFL, maybe in 2020. You know, so it will always feel off, but you know, that that statement that we started at the beginning with that for Minnesota, Kirk Cousins makes it feel like you're gonna be in playoff contention, that you're gonna be a nine or a ten win team. And I think that's where the the Vikings end up this year. I think so. I think
1: Dalvin Cook. I mean, that's a team that that's had a really elite running game in recent years, and Justin Jefferson's emergence at wide receiver has has taken their offense to a whole another level. Has elevated Kirk Cousins' game too, and so the Vikings are kind of a they're a sneaky team, but they're also like I don't think anyone foresees a scenario where they make the Super Bowl. Like I think you would take a an eight win Packers team. Not to say that the Packers are going to win eight games, but A team like the Packers that has a tough season and and just barely slides in with eight games, if Minnesota were to take the division, I still don't think anyone would have Minnesota going further in the playoffs. That's the deal with them. That seems to always be the deal. with These teams with that quarterback that's kind of in that 15 range in the league, kind of mid-tier NFL starter caliber, really solid but not elite quarterback.
0: You know, they're an interesting fan base too. And I don't know, have you ever spent any time in minneapolis i wish i could say
1: that i had just to see their fans and their football culture but i have
0: not yeah i mean it it, it's an interesting rivalry this nfc north and i always think of them as like the nfc central there's good rivalries up there you know I, i think the bears and the packers will always be the headline but the vikings packers are an amazing rivalry i mean it's you know, and I think it has something to do with just the geographic oh, yeah. location of them, where they're both up there in the north. It's cold as all hell. You know, maybe the Green Bay, Wisconsin, has more of this like Germanic background in terms of the ethnic groups, where there were all these Scandinavians in in Minnesota. But they love their Vikings up there. I, I think in some ways they've kind of lost a little bit of the. You know, maybe they've lost a little bit of like the Buffalo Bills kind of intensity. Even though they they end up ranking higher on the metrics by playing I was gonna indoors, that. right? Going away from that thing of these frozen beers got to
1: take away at least from the perception of the fan base, like you were saying. Because when I think of the Minnesota Vikings, that's exactly what I think of: those braided beards and pictures of guys <laughs> with you know frostbite on their face and icicles hanging from their nose. They're playing indoors now. They're playing in a mall, it, it feels like, and it takes away from the intensity of the fan base or the perceived intensity. That's where Buffalo will always rank the highest. I mean, imagine putting the Buffalo Bills in an arena. That would that would be sacrilegious in Buffalo. It's part of the tradition to to go out and freeze your tail off and get sick for the bills. And I think Minnesota probably lost that. Although the game experience is still probably a lot more pleasant too, if you're attending.
0: Well, I I agree with that a hundred percent, right? It's like that. And it makes sense. If you think about how fandom works, right? The way that you sort of go up the hierarchy of, of the fan of the fan community is by being willing to suffer. Right. Or by be willing to just how far out there are you willing to go? Uh, we, we've we've talked about it a bunch you know you were uh, you know painting up your face and putting on shoulder pads to go see mm-hmm. Georgia play uh you know maybe you're doing this when it's still uh, the weather breaks by the time you guys start playing yeah. at a UGA right but still could be 90 first, degrees first out game there. in
1: college against Clemson it was a humid 90 plus outside it may have been 100 it was that game was hot there's a picture of me yeah. And you can't even tell that I was painted up. Um, the the paint was just dripping. <laughs> but that same season, I believe it was Kentucky at home, Auburn at home. We had games where it was 17 degrees outside. We're also shirtless. But as a fan, you took a lot of pride in that. You felt like, I am the ultimate fan. I've been through this. And like I've said a million times, when Georgia last year has a special run, you feel like this is even more special to me than the next person because I've paid my dues. I've suffered for this team and it might all just be silly but that is there is something about fandom the nature of fandom that ties into that i think that's why buffalo bills fans even though they rank so poorly on your metric mike they feel like hey we're we've been through so much we go out in the cold we go out we suffer for our team we are the ultimate fans and that's what defines in our own heads you know what what makes you a super fan that's why Buffalo Bills fans have that perception of being super fans, and I think that's what Minnesota is lacking as far as their the branding of their fandom. I don't at this point they get lost. You forget that they were once like the Bills.
0: Yeah, I mean those visuals are so powerful, right? And it's yeah. almost like you just wait for it to. As a as a kid, Green Bay up watching, Green Bay has that too. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's like I mean who. If you're playing Green Bay, if if Green Bay's on TV in December or January, what percentage of fans want it to be bitterly cold and snowing? Right? 100%. I mean, literally everyone wants to see that. They want to see this game played in terrible conditions where the players are using the warming machines on the side. They want it to be this battle against the elements as well.
1: I don't know if you play Madden, Mike, but if I'm playing Madden and I'm playing a game in Green Bay... I will go and custom set the weather. I will make it 50 mile per hour winds, downpour of snow, just complete nightmare. Negative 40 degrees. I don't care. Whatever the lowest setting is, you can make it. I will make it as cold as possible. Fans love snowy football. That is the unwritten rule of fandom in the NFL and in football as a whole. I think that's part of what makes Buffalo so special. I think that's part of what makes Green Bay so special. I think back to the NFC Championship, Green Bay, my New York Giants. Tom Coughlin with frostbite, everyone freezing, nobody able to catch a pass. It hurts their hands. It feels like a broken bone every time the football hits your hands. There's something about snowy football, and I think that's part of the magic in Green
0: Bay. Okay, so it's counterintuitive. You know, there's some lessons that come out of this deep dive into NFL fandom. Number one, don't move your team. Almost never (laughs) works. Number two, don't play football indoors, right? It just, it it changes the character of the whole thing. Another team that's still playing outside, though, and again, this is our favorite. This is one of the guys we've talked about the most over the last year or two, Chicago Bears and Justin Fields. Um, like I said, as I was reading through some of the previews, every preview about the bears is the same, Doug, every one of them. It's some version of the previous coaching staff did not know how to use Justin Fields talent. He's got amazingly amazing physical skills. The bear season will be dependent on whether the new coaching staff figures it out and whether Justin can step up and take the bears to the next level. Statistically, I have him as one of the worst-rated quarterback performances in the NFL over the last three years. The Bears, forecasting the Bears, I got them at 7.2 wins. This gets into some kind of dicey things about forecasting because if Justin plays like a minus-five win guy, he's not going to finish the season, right? Because this new coaching staff will, even if the excuse is, we don't want to traumatize our young players, so we're putting the backup in. We're we're going to put the backup in and give you know Justin a little bit more breathing room. You know, the standard, the sort of bad NFL players are minus three, so that's why the Bears end up being forecasted at seven point two wins, even after coming off last year's troubling season. Yeah, I I just don't.
1: It feels like it's going to go one or two ways with Fields. I feel like he's either going to be a minus five guy and get benched and some other team will take a shot on him a la Sam Darnold.
0: Okay. Or if, if, he's if he's benched, Doug, uh, just, you know, you followed him closely. If he's benched, he'll never play again in Chicago.
1: I mean, I think it'll, no. I think
0: the relationships will crumble.
1: Well, and his, his demeanor and his body language, he's a guy that. My biggest concern with Fields has always been he's a guy when things when the going gets tough, his body language is just really, really poor, really bad, and it negatively affects the team, I think. And when things are going well, you don't see that. I think Was that's it that way? It, was it that
0: way at Georgia when he was doing oh, spot, yeah. he was spot duty was as a the freshman? Game,
1: there was a game at Georgia where Georgia a lot of people were picking South Carolina to win the game. Georgia went on the road in South Carolina. They won by like forty points. And there's a video after the game of Fields walking off the field, and he's dog cussing himself because he didn't get enough snaps and he didn't play as well as he wanted to. And okay, there was a video of that time. Up,
0: and pe- I didn't grow up in the South. Dog
1: cussing? He was cussing himself. I don't know. I, was, <laughs> no, I, li- was, I like learning. <laughs> he was using curse words. <laughs> okay, and, and uh, to depict his performance or how he felt about that game. The team won. Team won by a wide margin in a game that many expected them to lose. So the, the rest of the team all, was celebrating, but he was the rest of the team as, was celebrating. Okay. He was upset. He was upset walking off the field. And I saw that last year when I would tune in for some of the Bears games. Not the team winning because they were not winning, but I saw that same body language from Fields, where his head's down. He's he's got the towel over his head. He's got it. Reminds me a lot of, and I've compared him to Cam Newton. I think he's a superior passer than Cam Newton. But I I've compared him in a lot of ways physically, but I also think mentally there's a lot of that, and we saw in the Super Bowl with Cam Newton when there was that fumble he didn't dive on, and that to a lot of people defined his career. I think Fields he's got it he's got to get a quarterback coach that helps him with that because he's his natural tendency has been to be up and to be showy when things are going well and to and to be very confident in himself, which is all great and good for a quarterback. It's what you want. But when the going gets tough, we haven't seen great leadership displayed from him. And we saw that last year. I think if the going gets tough, he just falls apart this year. I really do. I don't see him overcoming another bad season like that. And so it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be a huge story that Justin Fields has this big emergence and he's this fantasy breakout quarterback. Because one thing about him is he gets he's young enough where he'll, he will be getting some of the rushing yards you would expect him to um, as well as – throwing and, and passing the ball he's he still has all the physical traits but it's it's the middle aspect of the quarterback that differentiates in the nfl more times than not and i think that's that's where the biggest concern is for him i think the biggest example that would give me hope if i were a bears fan was justin fields in the playoffs years back he was hurt he was playing through injury and and this was in the semifinal, and he played the game of his life taking big hits for his team putting his body on the line that's what gives me, if I'm a Bears fan, hope that Justin Fields has the potential to become a true quarterback, a true leader, a true team first guy. And that's what Bears fans are wanting. Obviously, having a new coaching staff gives you this new optimism that, hey, maybe it was, maybe it was Nagy. Maybe, maybe the new system, they're going to work around the quarterback instead of trying to fit him into a system. I know that was the perception at Georgia, and it, it was pretty true as, as far as Fields just was not a fit in that system, and Ohio State used him a lot better. I think Bears fans are hoping for the same thing. I'm very very curious and I'm very much looking forward to watching the Bears early in the season this year to see if anything changes. If it doesn't, it could get ugly.
0: It might be my it might be the team I'm most interested in watching. Because I think it's, it I may come off cross as a, almost a Justin Fields hater in all of this. Though, you know, I'm reacting more to the the numbers and to the media environment right. around him. But I will admit to being absolutely, like, I can't take my eyes, given the backstory, I can't take my eyes off the Bears when Fields is playing, right? Because he does have that physical talent in terms of the speed and the scrambling ability that, you know, you you feel like, I've reached a point where I feel like something's going to happen. Maybe it's going to be something spectacular. Maybe it's going to be something terrible. But... I can't take my eyes off fields and yeah. the way the announcers go on and on about sort of being a transcendent talent, but absolutely struggling on the field. He's one of my absolute favorite stories going into this year.
1: Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what happens with fields and the bears. And I know that it's also one of those things where if the, if the bears win week one and fields has a good game and he had, he had a good game or two last year. I think that fan base will, will, get ahead of themselves and start talking Super Bowl and start talking. We finally have our quarterback, the missing piece. And on the flip side, I think if Uh. game one, if if Fields comes out and lays an egg, people are going to be talking about who's the backup in Chicago. Does Chicago tank this year to get a quarterback, whoever the top quarterback prospect is in this next draft? It will be, particularly early in the season, it will be a very, very interesting story. I could see Fields being most improved player in the NFL this year. I also could see him benched halfway through the season
0: if he throws three interceptions that first game chicago sports radio will be an absolute bloodbath
1: i think the fans lose hope and at that point
0: but you know what's also kind of interesting about it they may quickly turn on that new coaching staff as well right i mean there there could be this could be a really difficult management task for that for that organization to you know because like they put so much They've put so much into fields and put so much effort to build him up that if he fails, does that mean the new coaching staff was the wrong hire?
1: Well, yeah, it really goes back to management yeah, at that point yeah. because the coaching staff, that was management's decision,
0: ownership. And and the Bears and the, oh, fans uh, are not in love with Bears ownership. Right. I mean, so it's, you know, and as a fan base, and again, the, the Bears are an interesting one. They are, you know, in terms of the fan base rankings, they come in just inside the top 10 at number nine. But in some ways, in terms of the potential, this is an organization that should do better. I mean, football in Chicago, Monsters of the Midway, you know, Coach Ditka, you know, Walter Payton, they have all the ingredients to be a truly iconic uh team and an iconic brand and they've never gotten there because outside of 1985 the performance on the field has seldom matched what the brand deserves. And well, so brand, this Justin Field the, situation is again it's it feels it feels shaky even in year 2. The Bears I
1: when I'm thinking of historic NFL teams I always think of the Bears and I think of them as this
0: franchise players, with a, his,
1: a history of Super Bowls. Well, I was going to say one Super Bowl. There's, there's somehow this perception and this history that's implied with their branding that may not be there. There's that team with the Fridge and Walter Payton and company, Mike Dinka and Singletary. Outside of that, I'm trying to think of players, historical players, Bears players that were not on that team. I don't know that I can name any and of course more recently Brian Urlacher and in, in my lifetime but i'm tr- i'm talking back in history they have this there's this perception among sports fans that the bears have all this history and yet i can't recall very much of it
0: well and you know what what that probably boils down to and i'm not going to put you on the spot here but it, and as we as i've gone through all this in preparation for talking about this preview i've ended up looking uh, up a lot of teams quarterback histories and there are, some quarter, there are some teams where it's like, yeah, you got, you know, one guy after another guy, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, that guy was a star. That was a star. And then there are some teams that you, you go through, you know, the, the Tennessee Titans or the, the Detroit Lions or the Chicago Bears. When you start trying to think about the quarterbacks that have led those, those teams over the decades, it's a very short list of stars, of household names. Mm-hmm. So, and again, this is my bias in terms of where i when I grew up, Bears quarterback, Jim McMahon. yeah, like the the one that pops off the page, and guess what? He was the one that took him to the Super Bowl. since well, was, McMahon, It seems like it's just been guy after guy after guy until Justin Fields,
1: right? That's the hope. That's the hope for Bears fans. i The one that pops in my head is Rex Grossman. I remember him being one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen play in a Super Bowl, but just the fact that he was in the Super Bowl makes them memorable to me. To me in sports, championships Mm -hmm. create legacy. And when there aren't championships, and oftentimes in the NFL, it takes great quarterbacks to have championships. When there aren't championships, the team is forgotten. I think of even in college, some of my favorite Georgia teams of all time, the average college football fan will never remember their existence. They're a bridesmaid to them. Whereas to me, I think that 2007 Georgia, 2002 Georgia, 2005 Georgia, 2012 Georgia, all those teams may, you know, in a in a 7 game series would have a fighting chance against the Georgia team that did win a championship. Those teams didn't win the championship. People forget about them. That's how the Bears are to me. I think that that team with the fridge and with Walter Payton, people remember that team. They remember that coaching staff, they remember that is the Bears entire history in the minds of so many football fans. Whereas there's been a lot of Bears teams over the years and, and they all get tied up in our minds to, what is it, 85? Shuffling Bears, crew. Yeah. Yeah. We are the Bears.
0: And Shuffling it probably crew. almost entirely boils down to a lack of quarterback stardom in Chicago. Essentially no quarterback stardom in Chicago over the last, you know, 1985 is going to be a long time ago. Over the last 35, 37
1: years. Mitch Trubisky is one that did anyone actually think that was going to work? I know that hindsight's twenty twenty, but I remember when he was drafted and thinking, "This guy's not gonna, this isn't a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. He might be uh yeah." I f- I felt like his ceiling was Kirk Cousins.
0: Nowhere near the hype of Fields, though, right? I mean, that's no. kind of the fascinating about this He was drafted higher. Yeah, I yeah. He was drafted like top five, wasn't he? Number one. Number one. Okay.
1: That was their last number one pick, Mitch Trubisky, and. <laughs> Ouch. That that is probably the reason why Bears fans don't have the best sentiments okay. toward
0: ownership. You know the other thing with the Bears fans and again, I you know I grew up in Chicago, but I'm I've got enough distance that this doesn't bother me. But good lord, the Bears fans hate Aaron Rodgers. You know, and last year, I think there was the incident where Rodgers started talking back and forth with, uh, I think it was a woman, female fan in the Bears' end zone, set, telling her that he owns them. You know, I mean, and again, you know, I still have family in Chicago, and they're so upset at Aaron Rodgers. The hatred just, you know, they, they can't contain the hatred for the guy. But the fact is, they should love him because he's bringing so much meaning to that series. And the fact that they have him to hate probably is you know a good chunk of the passion that they're gonna to bring to the they're gonna to bring to the stadium this year. Um you know what they got to get back to though is having the Packers hate them as much as they hate right Aaron Rodgers.
1: Right. And I will pull for my fandom for this one as well. I remember when Cam Newton was at Auburn and Auburn did beat Georgia that year. And I remember I hated him all of Georgia. I mean most of the SEC hated him but Georgia particularly he was from Georgia there was some shady stuff going on, and of course, if you're the other team, you're, you're going to assume the worst, and in, in the other player, and the other team, the other school, hated <laughs> yeah. Cam.
0: Let me just add to that. I don't remember the details, but the SEC folks, I was down in Florida for a while, everyone had a story about Cam Newton's recruiting.
1: Right. Everyone. Every, and we, we just hated him, and he beat Georgia, and I remember wanting revenge so bad and that next year, Georgia gets their chance against Auburn, smacks them down. Problem is, Cam Newton's not around anymore. And ever since then, Cam Newton has not been around. Georgia's beaten Auburn almost every time since then. It's just not the same without Cam Newton. And I think that's how it will be for Bears fans when when Aaron Rodgers is done in Green Bay. You can beat Green Bay, but it's not as special as beating Aaron Rodgers. And having him there, like you said, it adds significance to that series. It adds meaning. Even if you hate the guy... You don't want to see him leave. It's like Batman and the Joker and the next movie, who's the bad guy, Bane or the Iceman or whatever. It's just not the same as having the Joker. poison Ivy,
0: poison <laughs> Ivy. There's,
1: there's, I could go down a long list. <laughs> who's Sca- that character? Scarecrow? They're always
0: pushing now. Harley Quinn, <laughs> Harley
1: Quinn. Yeah. Scarecrow. It's not the same as the Joker. And for bears fans, Aaron Rodgers is the Joker. He's essential to that phantom. He's just as essential to that phantom as he is to the Bears' phantom, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, to the uh, to the Packers' phantom, kind of, in my opinion.
0: It's probably the curse of the Bears fans that the quarterback, their top of mind quarterbacks, the quarterbacks that they've thought the most about in the last twenty plus years are Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, right? And it's probably not even close anyone else.
1: Both of <laughs> okay, whom, d- both of whom I'm sure their team passed on in the draft as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Bringing up the end, of the, the bottom of the division, I've got the Detroit Lions at 6.2 wins. Uh, Jared Goff, I have as an absolutely breakive, break-even player on the GB, on the quarterback wins metric. Uh, over the three-year period from 2019 to 2021, he was, get this, it couldn't get more average than this. He's a minus 0.01 wins per year. He's an absolutely break even guy. And so, a break even guy in Detroit, you know, if your goal is to get to 500 and start to, you know, get into wild card contention, maybe that's the right kind of player. But given the history of that franchise, and again, talk about who are the all time great Detroit Lions quarterbacks. You know, as I go through this division and I look at some of the historical data, if I'm a a- I'm if I'm the Detroit Lions or the Chicago Bears, man, I'm investing more in that quarterback position in the draft. I'm like, I need some star power there. I'm like taking a third round guy every year just so I can, you know. I'm 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 rolling what I'm saying is, and it sounds silly, but I'm rolling the dice more on that position. Because, you know, you're gonna build these brands. That's the position to do it.
1: Yeah. The Jared Goff. -0.1 you said over his career over his last 3 years over his last 3 years so mike what it, what was what was Justin Fields number for last year -5.4 if <laughs> that is really bad that's is that the worst ever that, that is had? the worst
0: and, uh, that is the worst and again i'm going to in 3 as, years i'm going to expand this um, i'll add a couple of years after as we go into the season but fields is the worst performance that i've seen Okay. So if you are
1: an NFL franchise, Mike, and you could have Jared Goff at this point in his career, well established that he's a minus 0.1 guy on average. Minus 0.01. Minus (laughs) 0.01. Excuse me. If you could have that, or you could have Justin Fields on your team with he's a minus five guy now, but who knows what he could become. If you're like, if you're the Lions and you're in that position,
0: who do you take? Yeah, I'm a, I'm of two minds on this one, Doug. On some level, I'm absolutely fascinated by fascinated by Fields. I think as long as f- is, if Fields is on the team, there's going to be some interest. There's going to be some national media coverage. Mm-hmm. But and then this is the kind of gut feel stuff. From everything I've seen, I think the Fields story is going to end badly wherever it ends. Mm. So it's almost like it's going to be more interesting, and you're going to get some eyeballs on your product. And again it's totally unfair to do to a you know it, it seems unfair to do to a second year player in the league but I'm going from everything I've seen you know as Fields at Georgia and then Ohio mm-hmm. State and sort of the way he he carries and conducts himself I think Fields is going to blow up the brand at some point point. and so if I'm the you know maybe if I'm the Bears you know that brand's going to be resilient and we'll move on it's a, it's just the next Bears quarterback mistake but in the case of Detroit, you know, maybe stability is the way to go. So Bears, you hear it strangely, Bears, Fields, Lions, golf.
1: Yeah. My my line of thinking, Mike, in the NFL is that you almost always have to have an elite quarterback to win championships. To Can be you a imagine perennial. the
0: Lions in a championship game? The Lions in the Super Bowl? No,
1: I can't. I can't either. <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> um, you almost always have to have an elite quarterback. We already know that Jared Goff is not an elite quarterback. That he's going to be a minus point one, minus point zero one. <laughs> uh, gotta make sure I get that right, guy. For his career fields, he's a minus five guy. I would almost rather, if I'm an NFL team, I'd rather have a minus five guy that has the ceiling or the perceived ceiling of being a plus three guy. You just don't know. Like he's he has the skill set. He has the skill set and Goff may not, I'd rather have that guy and just see, and if it tanks, it tanks, and you get the number one pick, and you try again to get another big star guy. I, my, I personally think in the NFL the worst thing you can have is average. It's mediocre because it keeps you in this mid-tier where you're not getting the number one pick, but you're also not making the playoffs or you're not making it to the second round of the playoffs. To me in the NFL, that is the worst possible situation. I'd rather have a boomer-bust quarterback than, and that's, that's just me, but I would rather have a boomer-bust quarterback than a middle of the road guy in the NFL. I,
0: I think there's a real logic to that because the danger is that middle of the road guy that you pay and now $120 million on a contract to, and who keeps you at eight wins or nine wins for that's the next Kurt six, cousins. seven years.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Kurt cousins to me.
0: Doug, let me add a couple facts though, to the Detroit situation. I, I, I pulled, I found the numbers I was looking for. The Lions' last NFC Central championship was 29 years ago. So the last time they won that division, it was the NFC Central. Okay, Um, So they've never won the NFC North. In the time since, they have had eight playoff games without a single victory. The Lions have two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Do you want to take a guess at who they are? Gosh. Dutch Clark... No. Retired in 1938, and Bobby Lane retired in 1958. Yeah, I would okay. have gotten those. So, if quarterbacks and championships build, NF, you know, NFL fandom build brand equity. Yeah, your point is well taken. You know, the Lions should be playing for boom or bust. The Lions should be taking a quarterback almost every year in the draft because they got to get that star power right they've got to break through at this point the brand is kind of dead they need something they need something magical to happen and that's only going to happen at that position
1: absolutely so yeah the the only Lions player historically that even comes to mind and I'm talking historically of course Stafford and Calvin Johnson and there's been recent players, but historically Barry Sanders is like the only player that the average Even the average NFL fan, I think, can name off the top of their head and say, "Hey, that—that's a guy that had a great career in Detroit."
0: And that's, you know, it's kind of interesting to me because uh, Barry Sanders. When did Sanders retire? It um, was—you must have been a small child when Sanders retired, right? But Sanders was a—I agree with that. That Sanders is the only like really kind of special Detroit Lion athlete that captured. Sort of the popular attention and again, sort of a different era is that even still possible anymore at the running back position um, maybe the last that running was...
1: back the last running back that I think put up numbers in a season that were comparable was probably Ladanian Tomlinson, maybe Adrian Peterson those two that that was a whole era prior to the era that we're in now
0: yeah okay, Doug, so that's the NFC Central Packers by the Vikings and then the Bears and the, you know, Packers vying for elite status, Super Bowls, Vikings, sta- you know, vying for a playoff position, probably as a wild card, Bears and the Lions kind of trying to figure it out. It's good, you know, as we go through this stuff in detail, these are all good stories. I mean, depending on how you look at these things, if you really are just, for let's say the The pure narrative or the pure storytelling, there's almost not a there's very few NFL teams and franchises that don't have something that's really interesting. The question is, does it break through and get to that national level? Because even here, where we're sort of making light of Goff finishing at you know point minus point zero one, this guy a very Goff was a very high draft pick as well, wasn't he? He might have been close to a first overall pick, yeah, one, but a very high pick, right? And now, sort of put into you know the the Detroit kind of NFL fandom wasteland. Wasteland. That's a great story for a redemption arc, right? Uh, Justin Fields trying to you know reach the the level of the hype that's out there. And frankly, Kirk Cousins as this guy that's widely perceived as a journeyman, but actually has some pretty good numbers. And then the the sort of the all time great story involving, you know, every narrative around Aaron Rodgers, it's all compelling stuff. It's great stuff. Yeah. It's why the NFL wins.
1: The NFL always wins. Jared Goff was the number one pick. So, Jared Goff, number one pick. Justin Fields, not number one pick, but might as well have been for the amount of media hype he got.
0: Aaron a- a- Rodgers, not the had- number
1: one pick, but the number one quarterback by a, a- mile. And Rodgers picked division. about thirtieth, right? Fields about fifteenth, and Rodgers was yeah. twenty four. Yeah, and I don't know how
0: I know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much time following sports over the years. Now you know what, Doug. I mean, in some ways, it's like uh, there. There's definitely a life life cycle to it. You know, back when I was your age. <sighs> You know, I, I'm exactly the same guy as you were in terms of having way too much knowledge of the specific numbers on on these kind of things. You know, it's like we've be, you've been watching an NBA game back in, you know, 1992, and I would know that a guy was picked, you know, number seven out of Alabama three years ago. You know, it's it's crazy how fandom works and the level of details that we have. But it's a, you know, as you age, I'm lucky I got you, frankly, to fill in those gaps. <laughs> We well, why don't we wrap it up from there, uh, and we'll continue the march through the NFL next week. We are due for if this was the NFC North, we must have the NFC South. Um, NFC South, not to you know. Dude, when I was putting this article together, all this material together, essentially, you know, crunching through all of it, doing a lot of the writing. It was about a it was about a month ago and the NFC South this was the point where there had been a rumor floating around the idea of Drew Brees coming back. And, you know, so we'll we'll talk about the NFC South. The idea of Drew Brees coming back, suddenly that would actually be the top NFL story going into the season. So like every one of these divisions, there's something potentially interesting happening. I just
1: can't wait to talk about the Panthers. The Panthers quarterback room is one of the most fascinating in NFL history, I think. And a number of players that Mike loves to give a hard time on the same team in the same quarterback room, that's going to be one heck of a conversation. I think we could do a whole whole podcast on them. So I'll do my best to talk about the other teams also. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: As always, thanks for listening. More content at www.fandomanalytics.com. Talk to you next week.